0: Shaken Blake presents Children of Oron and Rumours of Death. The Shaken Blake. Earth2.net and indeed GeekPlanetOnline.com's Blake7 podcast. I'm Ian Wilson. I'm podcasting opposite a man who knows nothing, talks all the time. The result is he's a trenchant buffoon. He has no idea how to present podcasts. He looks ridiculous in his fashion wear and swans around hoping that people will recognise him when no one's even remotely interested. God knows why he's here, I've nothing to ask the guy, and for all I know, he may be a bit of a cocoa shunter too. Dave Proberts. Hello! Oh, sorry, sorry, that was the intro for Adam Fisher. All oh, right.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think as we established last episode, as I'm slowly turning into him, it's probably quite appropriate. <laughs> in a sort of horrible Jeff Goldblum in the fly kind of way. <laughs>
0: As if you were in the same teleport- teleportation machine as a damn. Yes, that would be incredible.
1: That that, that uh, throws up a whole raft of new questions. I don't particularly want to get <laughs> into.
0: <laughs> How are you, sir?
1: Yes, very, very good, very good. I'm. I, I went to stay with the Orgs recently. All right. Visited the Orgs and, and and their kids and everything, and yes, it was a lovely time. And thank you very much, Orgs, for p- putting us up. And had a lovely time of it.
0: Oh, very nice to hear.
1: Plague Wee Party.
0: <laughs>
1: very nice. Yes. And yourself, sir, how are you doing? Uh, I'm
0: not too bad. As we record, uh, it's just been the Jubilee weekend. It has. And uh, I was actually down in London for it. A, because I'm a massive patriot, or B, because my dad was taking part in the Flotilla Parade or see both of the above
1: hey indeed god save the queen
0: god save the queen
1: god oh, bless her
0: <laughs> and uh yeah it was um it was quite an occasion um a, a phenomenal amount of people turning out to go see it so um, so yeah it was it was a, a very interesting and surreal thing to kind of be a part of and uh, Always nice to be in London, however brief. Excellent. Mm. Yes. So, uh, with with that out of the way, um, feedback. Yes. Uh, I'll let you go first, Mr. Proberts.
1: Very well. Well, we have our traditional MP3 from the orgs later. Hooray. And I also have one other email from uh, our friend, Mr. Gareth Edwards. Okie dokie. He says, uh, hi guys, thanks for clearing up a few things regarding the computer voice. There is a reason why my feedback is mostly in note form, as you guys do an excellent job of uh, reviewing the episodes, and I just feel the need to highlight the points where I feel the story character plots are. Oh well, I can soon change that. Speak to you soon, Gareth, brackets, orko. And He says, P.S. Will you be covering the Sintenton Experiment or the Sevenfold Crown?
0: I have no idea what either of those things are. I shall explain.
1: Uh, right. The Cinderton Experiment and the Sufferfold Crown were two um, Blake Seven audio stories they did in the nineties
0: right. with
1: uh, most of the uh, original cast returning. Not all of them, but most of them. And right. then the...
0: Who 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 were the notable exceptions? Name names.
1: Uh, the actress playing Dana doesn't return. Right. And another character I can't mention yet because these are all set in series four.
0: Oh, right okay.
1: But yes, um, very possibly. I think yeah. It, after we've done the series and we do our sort of like our last special looking back, we may well, if if I could find a copy of both of them, maybe as as, as a couple of uh, as like a, like, a, like a special at the end, perhaps. Mm. Again, assuming I, I can source copies of both of them so that we for us to listen to. I used to have the Sevenfold Crown because I taped it off the radio.
2: All right.
1: So I used to listen to that a lot. But I I've I have not actually listened to the Sitten experiment, so I'll, i shall be interested to listen to it. And uh regarding your uh, your your note your note giving uh feedback, Gareth, it's certainly not a criticism when I mentioned it last time. I just sort of said it's a as a way of easing people in who may not be familiar with your uh the way you present your feedback. And it's certainly not not a problem with us.
0: Oh, absolutely know, The more feedback, the merrier.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, as usual, he's given us uh, feedback for the episodes themselves, which we'll get to at the appropriate time. But other than that, yes, I, I have a score of two in the inbox.
0: Oh, good. Well, you know how I say the more feedback, the merrier? Yes? I have nothing. Ah. Nothing at all.
1: So, I I, I thought the. I'd I'd had a a poor month, maybe, that this would be Earth 2's time to strike back.
0: Yeah, I was kind of hoping that myself. But, no. Nothing.
1: Well, it's all good, because we've started recording later. We need to crack on.
0: (laughs) To be honest, for those of you listening, you do not want to know the hell that, that happens behind the curtain. Oh, good grief, no. This... This is a cursed podcast. This podcast is cursed. (laughs) If we may paraphrase from The Mummy Returns. Yes. One of my favourite Brendan Fraser movies. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, A whole lot of logistical nightmares within the last few months.
1: Well, you know, if the Queen keeps insisting on having a jubilee.
0: Well, yeah. Selfish bint. Honestly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) God bless her.
0: Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's get on, let's get on. Let's crack and... on with
1: the first episode then. And the first episode
3: is Children of Our <laughs> Relax, Villa! Aurax found the cure. Quite sure. It's even better than the other ship. What? What other ship? The X Federation that answered our distress call. Now he tells us! Callie. Avon. Tarrant. Tarrant. Answer, Tarrant. I'll go down. And land seven to whatever mess they're in down there. You stay here until we know the score. Tarrant. Answer, Tarrant. What's going on? Hello, Villa. Time to surrender. We have your compatriots, Villa. Surrender the Liberator and they live. Resist and they die. However... Having some degree of personal regard for you, Villa, I am prepared to make you an offer. I'm listening. A position of senior rank. Such as? Say, a governorship. A planet of your choosing. Earth, if you wish it. Earth? Lies. Um, I think I'll have a chat with Aurek.
0: Right, so, uh, the first episode we're doing today is Children of Auron. In this episode, uh, we start off with Servran, who's obviously in a spaceship with, uh, mutoids. And, uh, she is scouting out the planet of Auron, uh, better known to people as Callie's home planet. And she has in her sights a lone ship that's coming out of the planet. And, uh, she wants the ship to be captured. And captured it is. Um, very much our Diamonds Are Forever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, considering it's spaceships, it must be more of a case if you only live twice.
0: Well, both of them do that. Yes. So, you know, six and T3s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, Servlan um, decides to concoct a uh, potion, or she decides to douse a potentially lethal looking chemical of purple into a nice clear. Uh, solution and feeds it uh, to the unwitting pilot of the ship, and um, because the ship, because it has been damaged in some way, um, Servland kind of convinces the pilot just to fly back to Aron, and um, everything should be all right. I mean, admittedly, he, he can only fly by manual control, but uh, the pilot's fine with that. So he he thanks Servland for uh, saving his life, somewhat ironically. Um, and, um, he goes back down to Iron and, uh, seems to have contracted leprosy, uh, which, which sees him drool custard. And, uh, meanwhile, on board the Liberator, uh, Callie finds out that, uh, Zen is plotted, uh, to follow a new course back to Earth because, uh, Avon has decided it was it's high time to avenge the death of uh, his loved one, Anna, uh, who was mentioned back in the episode Countdown, and um, so he's going back to Earth to avenge her, uh, to which Callie kind of objects to. But um, the course of the Liberator is soon changed once she finds out that the people on her planet of Aaron uh, ...are starting to die because of the kind of plague... ...that uh, this pilot has inadvertently brought back to uh, Aeron, ...and um, the Liberator crew side with her... ...and they decide to uh, go back to Aeron ...to uh, help out Kali's people... Uh, ...not knowing that it, the whole thing was a set-up by Servalan all along... ...who would quite happily sacrifice the population of a neutral planet just so that she can uh, capture the Liberator. But there's a bit more to it than that um, because it turns out that uh, the Auron population have a means of uh, kind of uh, cloning themselves through uh, a combination of um, stem samples and uh, blood samples or, or something to that effect. And um, so servland has the idea that, um, you know, she she's broody, her biological clock is ticking, and so she decides to kind of uh, uh, clone herself.
1: Um, I, I blame Jarvik.
0: <laughs> but Jarvik will do that to a girl, won't he? Um, well,
1: you, you were never freezing that sperm, were you? would <laughs> just burst out and run rampant.
0: <laughs> she could have tried, I suppose. <laughs> I think she's
1: trying to take in quite a lot of it personally.
0: <laughs> we have an explicit racing for it. <laughs>
1: there, there was a lot of attempted... Um, attempted... Oh, God. Fertilisation.
2: <laughs>
1: Another good edit point there. Um... No, that's staying
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, uh, Servalan is aided and abetted by uh, two people, uh, one of whom is uh, Daryl, who is uh, the captain who gets kind of pissy that um, Servalan seems to be directing all of her orders to uh, his second-in-command called Ginka, um, whereas Ginka harbours kind of resentment for Dural of his own because, um, uh, the two of them were in line for promotion at the same time and Dural got it and Ginka thinks it's because he's well connected and, uh, um, <laughs> kind of resents the captain as a consequence. And, um, so Servalan is doing as much as she can <laughs> to be completely evil. She's es- essentially trying to wipe out all, uh, the- Earth on Auron, but she's doing it as a calculated risk, because she knows that uh, Callie has a connection to the planet, and thinks that that will automatically bring the Liberator to the planet. And, uh, she, once again, she's exactly right. Um, especially because it turns out that Callie has a twin on outon called uh, Zelda, uh, taking a day off from uh, the land of Hyrule and Ganon and everything. And... <laughs> I was raised on Nintendo, sue me. Um, and, uh, so, with, with Kali bringing the Liberator crew to Auron, um it seemed transpires that pretty much everyone that went, uh, down onto the surface, A, is not only exposed to the, the virus that's wiping out the vast waves of the population, but B, plays right into Serverland's hands. Uh, luckily, not all of the crew have gone down, because Villa's, uh, on board the ship, because he's a coward, and, um, Dana's also on the ship because she brought up, uh, someone within the, uh, command center to, ch- to see if Aurak can try and figure out uh, a cure to his, uh, disease. So, uh, essentially, Servlan, uh, <laughs> Communicates with the Liberator saying, Give up your ship or I'll kill your friends, think it's just Villa on board. And, um, Villa, with the help of Ulrak and Dana, concocts a plan of uh, trying to coax her onto the Liberator itself. Uh, Servalan instead sends Daryl, and, uh, even though Daryl's armed, because he doesn't know about Dana, he's quickly, uh, disposed of his weapon. And, uh, essentially, th- there's a double hostage situation. Admittedly, serverland still has the upper hand. And, um from here, <laughs> because there is th- the pioneer of the cloning technique, uh, because Callie has been able to, uh, transmit a message to Zelda, Zelda tells her superior who um is as I say the daughter of this pioneer. Uh is it Frandon?
1: Uh Franton.
0: Franton. And so Franton goes over to the command centre, causes a do- diversion, allows the uh, Liberator crew to escape, and they make their way to the command centre. Uh back on board uh ship, um Ginko uh convinces Servaland that Daryl's betrayed her and instead um put his own biological sample in the uh test centre rather than Servaland's own. And outraged Servaland just orders uh the destruction of uh the command center. Uh luckily uh the Liberator crew and um Franton, uh get out there and they head to the command center. And know, um, it's,
1: it's, it's the fertilisation centre
0: The fertilisation centre And um, I'm sorry, that's where Gink- Ginka says yeah. yeah, you know It's probably alright if you fire on the fertilisation centre As well um, So Zerpland gives the order uh, Luckily Dana has put two and two together And decides to beam down there To hand everyone uh, A teleportation bracelet um, So the crew escape. Along with Franton, and it would be Zelda as well, but, uh, Zelda stays behind to try and save the fetuses, and, um, uh, that doesn't go very well for her because, <laughs> uh, the base is fired upon, she dies, Callie is haunted by the fact that she psychically hears her twin sister screaming, whereas Servalan, um, is also kind of psychically affected uh, by by the death and she realises that a part of her uh, has kind of gone just because she felt uh, the attack of the biological material meaning that uh, Ginka had been lying the entire time so um, she kills Ginka through some kind of funky button scenario It's and a very
1: Bond villain death isn't it? It really is
0: and um Afterwards, uh, somewhat maliciously, the liberator crew send uh, Daryl back on board Serplan's ship as well, and Serplan does the exact same to him, um, and um, they head off laughing uh, in a <laughs> in a Scooby-Doo end of show way because of Haven uh, saying, huh, "She wouldn't want to stay on that planet, not with a nursery of five thousand children." <laughs> 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 oh, Orko So
1: uh,
0: th- that's where the story ends.
1: Yes. Well we we have our first and indeed last look at Auron.
0: Oh, is that the last look at Auron?
1: But well, god by the end of it, it's fucked.
0: Oh right, well, <laughs> in fairness, yes, because the end setup is kind of uh, a a kind of new Auron uh but looking for a yeah, basically a random and
1: and random air traffic control dude, yeah, who just happens to be cured on the Liberator, yeah. Someone unwittingly ends up having to be <laughs> have to start a new race. <laughs> so I, did, I didn't expect this when I went to work this morning.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i uh... doing a
1: six-hour shift, have to raise an into a new race from scratch.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, it has to be said that, given the every time that we've seen something from Aaron's history, yeah. it's been shit
0: dawn of the gods
1: the web you- you could have been forgiven for thinking that an entire episode set on Aaron would be sort of shit as well, yeah, but this isn't is it
0: This is a really strong episode, I think, isn't it just yeah, I mean um. Of all people, it gives depth to Servalan. Um, and, and, I mean, obviously, because it's Aaron, it's Callie. And for once, we have a, a Callie centric story that isn't awful, which is really good to see. Um, and in, in fact, uh, Callie kind of pulls double GC that Yes. Is, that is to say, um, Jan Chappelle, uh, obviously, she plays Callie, but she also plays, uh, Twin Sister Zelda.
1: Although Zelda doesn't get to do an awful lot, it has to be said.
0: She doesn't, but she does get to show her compassionate side at least.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean Zelda is sort of the main plot MacGuffin that allows Callie to know that there's something wrong on Auron.
0: Yeah.
1: And then after that she spends all of her time faffing around in the lab.
0: <laughs> Which is unfortunate,
1: but um She she's quite wet. She's like a much wetter version of Callie.
0: in fairness I think that was always the intent because I mean this episode sets Callie up to be the firebrand and that kind of explains her exile from her planet in the first place because there's that old guy who's uh, oh not Callie that rebellious freedom fighter Uh, oh uh, thank god we exiled her no it's much better to trust this ex-federation ship than it is to trust Callie. Yeah, um, 20
1: minutes later, he's taken outside and shot.
0: <laughs> Deservedly so. <laughs>
1: yeah, have that you bastard. Yeah,
0: that's what you get for being small-minded. <laughs> uh, um, so, I mean, it was, it was interesting to look at Out on Society for as brief as it was, and it kind of righted the wrongs done to it by previous episodes. <laughs> Shall we say? Well, there are some
1: interesting points about Iran. I mean, first thing we you find out it's become completely isolationist. I mean, they weren't that welcoming to outsiders before. Yeah. But after the war, they have become completely isolationist.
0: Yes. And, I mean, it kind of harkened back... Well, um, quite... This episode does kind of harken back to quite a few episodes.
1: It does. Um,
0: but, I mean, the, the kind of isolationist aspect is it's is obviously Volcano. Um, yes. But, you know, Callie reiterates her backstory from all the way from Time Squad. Yep. And, uh, I mean, if we think about the kind of subplot of Avon's desire to go to, to Earth rather than Auron, uh, that's li- lifted literally from Countdown. Yes. Um, And also There was a line um, When Silverland's Expositioning the virus To uh, Dural, Talking about Now that there are No longer any Clone masters about This is the only way To You know Essentially clone people And of course The clone masters Were from Weapon Yeah Which was the first episode With uh, Cosplay Travis
1: well, yeah, it, it's nice to see that there's like an, enough back catalogue of stories there now that there is sort of referencing back to its past. throw throwaway references, which, if you've not seen the series before, don't really matter. But if you have seen the series, you go, oh, what, Clone Masters, I remember them. Yeah, and, and I remember Clone... And, and their ridiculous <laughs> archangel music whenever yeah. any of them entered the room.
0: I remember Clone Master Fenn and her amazing <laughs> technicolour dream coat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Moreover, I do remember that whale you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So it. It. I mean, it was. It was really very quite nice to see. You know, Callie's aspect played upon here, and you know, in but we don't get another era on story. I'm. I'm fine with that. Because
1: I, it, I don't think we really needed one. I mean, I exactly. think it's interesting because Aaron has been a big presence on the show for the last sort of two and a half series. Yeah. In terms of, you know, we've had people showing up from Aaron's past. And, you know, we've had mention of Aaron in a lot of episodes.
0: Even in Dawn of the Gods.
1: Which is shit. Which is shit.
0: <laughs> like the web. Um, but...
1: but also in things like, um, oh, uh, Bounty.
0: Yes. Yes. I remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: but yeah, so so, so Aron has been mentioned a lot. And so uh, so actually having an episode set on Aaron is is kind of a big deal.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I suddenly think the um, I don't know where they filmed that that location stuff when you know when they're running through sort of the uh, big industrial complex with the huge steps and the bridge and everything. But yeah. it, lo- it looks brilliant. It it does. I mean
0: do I, I mean, that was something that always took me out of, um, aspects of the first season. Uh, I mean, even just Callie's first episode in, in Time Squad, I mean, for a lot of location work there, thinking, yeah, that's just some random factory, that. Whereas, with this one, yes, it's obviously a real location, but. It's yeah, looks...
1: I, I have no idea where it is, but it does look like a genuine alien city, so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Well done to them for finding such a great location to. And uh, after everything we've heard about Aaron, it also looks sort of suitably epic, like a big old, you know, old civilization sort of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, where do we go from
1: here? Um, I uh, how, how about, should, we, should we cover Avon? Because he, he doesn't actually get a huge amount to do in the story, but it's worth noting. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I, uh, we, we can do him now, although he's, he's not, as you say, he's not nearly the most important.
1: Well, right. the thing that struck, struck me, and I've I even wrote it down in my notes, is that he's in a shit mood in this episode, isn't he?
0: Oh, he really is, yeah.
1: I mean, like, the, the abuse he's laying on the on the people of Auron. Like, to Callie's face. Like, he's <laughs> not even doing it behind her back. He's he's basically just calling the people of Auron a bunch of cheese-eating surrender monkeys. <laughs> the French, are you here?
0: <laughs> Take your place over there with the Germans. We <laughs> sure I have a lot to talk about um, I, I, I think my favourite Avon line um, It was kind of interacting with Villa And again, Villa doesn't have a lot to do in this episode um, Although, he, I suppose he's <laughs> kind of used as the negotiator with Serverland Which is always interesting to see But Avon, um, <laughs> uh, from the service of Auron Uh, says, Villa, do you copy? Pause. Idiot, where are you? (laughs) And then we cut back up to the, the liberator and Villa's wearing a big domed helmet and he can't hear or say anything. (laughs)
1: It's the fact that uh, you can hear Avon saying to Tarrant, Oh God, this happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) He's just moaning to Tarrant about how crap Villa is when he's on Tunnaport Juicy.
0: That's the thing because it it plays into the next episode as well. It does, yes. (laughs) Make sure you stay sober. Oh, that was just completely uncalled for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, But yeah, I mean. What what do you want to say about
1: Avon in this episode? Well, it's interesting because like with these two episodes, we do get like a little bit of a mini story arc, mm-hmm. which uh, yeah, the series hasn't really. But well, I mean, like the last time we did a mini story arc, really was uh, obviously the last few episodes of series two. But yeah, so yeah, it's a nice little sort of knock-on that yeah, not just that um. Yeah, you th- initially you think, all oh, right right, they're going to Earth and this is going to be the episode, and then all of a sudden they're diverted to on, But also the fact that that isn't forgotten, and so makes a- all of Avon's actions in the next episode sort of not out of the blue.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because I think without that in Children of Auron, I think yeah, the the start of Rumours of Death, which obviously we'll get to, would be a, a bit more out of left field.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: But yeah so, so I think it I think it's a really nice touch that they they've put like yeah a little hint at the next episode in there.
0: Absolutely, and I, I mean it is nice. They they kind of set it up, but they also give you a more immediate story to be going on with. Yeah, I mean, I mean as soon as you see the end of the titles, you see "Children of Auron. so you get the feeling it's going to have something to do with Cali. Yeah. Um. And. You know, you, it's it's very nice to see um, uh, Cal's homeworld finally revealed, and okay, Evans kind of uh, seething in the, the sidelines, but um, he'll he'll guess his moment.
1: Yes. Where did you want to move on to next? Serverland. Yes.
0: Um. Wow. Um. In terms of character. Yeah. This really pushes her forward a notch. Because I mean obviously we we both love the harvest of Kairos.
1: We do love the harvest of Kairos.
0: And okay, granted that's mainly because of Jarvik, but yes. would that I don't think we'd have marvelled at Jarvik's quite awesomeness quite as much if we didn't know who Servlan was to begin with. Yes. If we didn't have that set stasis quo for him to push against. And okay, now now she's back on her own, and she is still evil to the
1: max. But oh, my oh my word, yes. I mean, like, yeah, she essentially wipes out an entire planet here,
0: apart from two people, yes. Um, and it's because she found neutral planets to be weak, and you know, if she's gonna rebuild the Federation, then she may as well start aboard weak planets.
1: Well, it's it's interesting her rationale because they said like yeah, before the Federation just sort of you know, le- left the people of our alone because it was sort of convenient for them. Yeah, you know, they weren't really bothering them, so they thought, yeah, it's just sort of something they would would have gotten around to eventually. <laughs> yeah, but they said like yeah, you know, after the war, you know, we need to uh, consolidate quicker, and our like, yeah, is ripe for the taking. Which it is. Yep. And so so this is what we're doing now. Although uh, Daryl is very quick to point out that uh, she may possibly have an ulterior motive for picking on Aurum.
0: And indeed she does. Yes. And I I think this is the really interesting thing about this episode. Okay, you have Serpilan... <laughs> it's hard to say at her most evil, because... Nine times out of ten, she is really acting like a, an absolute bitch. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this own um, yes, she is committing planetary genocide. But um, you also kind of see a more personal side of her as well in what her ulterior motive is.
1: I I think it's a combination of what well, so, something vaguely maternal, but I actually think it's more to do with power. I no, think well, she it's, wants... it's
0: Serpent. It's all to do with power.
1: Yeah, Obviously, she wants to have exact copies of herself as offspring to essentially make her president forever. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, yeah, the children will grow up as exact duplicates of her and she will certainly... You know, the, I imagine the plan is she will raise them to be like her. And then so, yeah, when she eventually passes on, she will be replaced by an exact duplicate of her to carry on things the way she thinks they should be done. Yeah. But uh, I, th- I think it's interesting because it's. I think mean, it starts out like that, but obviously she feels she ends up feeling a lot more maternal than I think even she was expecting. Yeah, I think initially she just sees it as a means to an end. Yes, but the minute the sort of like fertility bank is under threat, or when she sees the Liberator crew going to the fertility bank, because. Uh, Franton has told them that the yeah you know, the fertility bank will be the safest place on the planet because there's no way in hell Serphalyn's going to destroy her offspring. Yeah, and she is initially very look, look, we are not firing on this, which is um uh, what, what's the other guy? Not Daryl, the other one.
0: Uh, Ginka.
1: Ginka, like Ginka's like, what the hell? Blow, blow it up. Yeah. Why would you blow it up? What's wrong with you? You always blow things up. <laughs> and yeah, and and the look of hurt on her face when Ginka tells her that uh. Daryl swapped out the genetic material and it's not her children in there oh yeah the look of hurt and the look of anger on her face when she just says right right, fire on it
0: yeah but I mean even more than that once the fertility base is fired upon um her reactions to that it's like by, by the end of the attack she is crying yeah um because you know a, a part of her has been destroyed, and that's how she ultimately knows that she's been played by uh, Ginka.
1: Uh, and the minute you see her react like that, and you know that she knows, he's like, "Oh, Ginka, you are so dead. <laughs> well, and, and you're going to die in a really unpleasant way as well. <laughs> but she, she's not just going to shoot you or have you taken away. She's going to do something fierce.
0: And yet, did she?
1: I don't know what that thing was. (laughs) I don't know what it did. There was no mention of it.
0: (laughs) That, my friend, is 1980s effects.
1: But he certainly didn't seem to enjoy it. No.
0: That's that's true.
1: If the agonised screaming was anything to go by, he certainly wasn't having a good time.
0: No. I suppose, I mean, at this point, we should talk about Kinker and Daryl.
1: Well, again, I think they're both very, very interesting characters, because... We'll get into this again with rumours of death, but it's another example of what I've sort of said before about focusing on the little people in Blake 7. These aren't just stomping around henchmen. These are two people with careers and thoughts and this sort of thing. Yeah. And you get the feeling that they have existed before this episode. You know, these aren't just henchmen of the week. (laughs) So the, the way they're written and the way they're performed. That you do get a sense that these two guys have have been around for a while, and now find themselves in a position where they're serving the president. Yeah, and it's interesting to see both of their approaches. I mean, like Daryl is is very annoyed that S- Servalan is essentially <laughs> sort of like, undermining him, despite the fact she's president of the Federation and his superior.
0: Yeah,
1: like he keeps saying, to Ginkas, I I give the orders around here." <laughs> it's like, well, dude, the president is sat there. It's like, you know, even America, if if President Obama, you know, the Commander-in-Chief, starts giving somebody an order, is there going to be some cap captain going, whoa, whoa, well, hang on there, fella, I'll give the orders round here? <laughs> but I don't think that's happening.
0: You, you don't get Joe Biden going, hang on a minute, <laughs> I'm the Vice President here.
1: To which everyone goes, are you? <laughs> Zing. <laughs>
0: but, I mean there's that that scene between Ginka and Daryl yeah where Daryl's confronting Ginka saying I've had about enough of your insubordination I'm captain me me and then you find out actually that both of them were kind of equals that were both going for promotion at the same time and because Daryl was slightly better connected he ultimately got it so he turned into a complete arsehole and ginker has been you know somewhat rightfully kind of uh, annoyed by this which is why
1: uh, well to be fair that's only Ginker's side of the story we don't actually know if Daryl was better connected it could just be that
0: I thought Ginker actually was... I thought Ginker actually managed to kind of weasel the words out of Daryl during that scene
1: very possibly but, but you know, I mean, either way frankly yeah. Gink is a nut bar. Yeah,
0: he is. But, I mean, I, I, I'm just, all I'm trying to say is that, I mean, Gink has his reasons.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, it's not just that he's simply uh, an insubordinate soldier. He is pissed off and jealous at Daryl. Uh, and he
1: is brown-nosing Servalan as well.
0: Absolutely he is. But, yeah,
1: it, it, it's... A... Another fantastic example of the uh, little characters and it it makes the federation feel like a proper world as well as a proper society. Yeah. That there there are these little you know, petty infighting squabbles and you know battles for power even among sort of you know the lower ranks or you know, the, the people we haven't seen.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah I think it just makes it feel like a much more fleshed out place. Absolutely. It's, it's something that Blake Sever does very very well. And I don't think he gets enough credit for.
0: <laughs> well, we're here to fly the flag, Dave.
1: We're we're here to redress the balance, Mister Wilson. That's what we're here Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. Um, well, I think I think we should possibly mention the sort of uh, the fantastic standoff between Villa and Sirvan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, go for it. Which is nothing
1: short of amazing. I mean, having having already uh, <laughs> sort locked wits in. Oh, what episode was it?
0: I suppose. Volcano,
1: wasn't it? No. Come on, where Avon hurt his arm? Uh,
0: I think it was Volcano.
1: Yeah, I think it it may well be Volcano. Yeah. Yes, it It was. was. Yes, it was. It it was in Volcano. It's like yeah, that little bit of verbal sparring there.
0: You see, the 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 master strategist. Yes. And Villa. (laughs) 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 Because here's the thing. Because, Servalan offers him a post in the Federation, a very high up post. He's like,
1: mm. it's a governorship. She offers him a governorship exactly. any planet and, he likes.
0: And he's very much like, hmm. And it, it takes Dana beside him to go, lies. Come on
1: Servalan?
0: This is Servalan? <laughs> you know, Servalan. He's trying to have you killed on multiple occasions. And, and like, oh yeah. Um, I I'll just go speak to Orac.
1: <laughs> is not the equivalent of somebody going, "I'll just go get my dad"? <laughs> exactly. Um, and when he speaks to her again, it's not even like he's making out making out that it's his plan. He's saying, "Orac says you should <laughs> come up here as a sign of good faith to negotiate." are <laughs> like, that. does he? Does he really? <laughs>
0: And even then, I mean, as soon as Daryl's beamed aboard the Liberator, (laughs) Villa's not quite sure what to do. He's just like, um, welcome aboard. (laughs) 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 That is Villa's. Although, having
1: said that, uh, I think that is a bit of Villa sort of playing possum because Dana said their one advantage is the fact that Serverland probably doesn't know that Dana's on board the Liberator. Yeah. Although I don't know why she wouldn't think that because she's not with the others. So if she's not with the others and she's not somewhere else on the planet, why wouldn't she be on the Liberator?
0: I mean, it's possible that Dana might have left the crew without Servalan knowing. But even so, um, you'd think Servalan would probably give it due consideration before that happened.
1: And also sort of Another thing on the side of Vina playing possum—it's sort of like as soon as Dana pulls the gun, he's like he starts pulling out the uh, the zingers. Like, oh, she's a disarming girl, isn't she? <laughs> and then when he, he gets, goes back onto the communicator and says like oh, well, one ho- one hostage to us, he's like, "You lied to me, sir you naughty girl." Sir
0: <laughs> so like, "Yeah, but I've got three of your friends, so you know."
1: And he does sort of like. I mean, again, he does sort of uh, threaten to blow up her ship. Again, it's, it's Dana's idea, but Vin is doing the talking.
0: And that might be why it rings hollow.
1: Yeah. Because
0: <laughs> you know? if if he let Dana do the talking, then perhaps uh, Severland might have been a bit more worried. Because cause, I mean,
1: but then having said that, it's he it Dana's whereabouts is still the ace in the hole.
0: True, but I mean, at the same time, I mean. Servaland's had first-hand experience of Dana. She knows how dangerous this woman is. Uh, at the same time, she knows what an utter coward Villa is. I mean, she as much as says it in this episode.
1: Yeah, she says it to Daryl. You so have nothing to worry about Villa's a coward. Yeah, so...
0: Uh, but yes, I, I suppose the fact that uh, Dana's whereabouts is a bit of a mystery yeah, does ultimately work in their favour.
1: but I... I... It's a fantastically funny little confrontation,
0: <laughs> I, I, it's it's still all about the helmet that makes me laugh the most. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it's not even like he's in a full sort of bio <laughs> suit. He's <laughs> just got a helmet over his head. What's that gonna do?
0: He's got a giant nineteenth-century diving helmet on.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a goldfish bowl. He's wearing a goldfish it, bowl. Yeah,
0: pretty much is.
1: I mean, it'd have been funny if Villa was in the full spacesuit. <laughs> the Scooby-Doo ending bothers me. <laughs> uh,
0: that's the seventies, although this
1: was uh, nineteen eighty, I suppose. So. Yes, but we, we yeah, haven't really had yeah. we haven't had a proper Scooby-Doo ending since all. Well, I mean, the first one I could think of is breakdown, but I'm sure we must have had one since. That. I'm
0: pretty sure we've had one since breakdown. Although breakdown's the most jarring.
1: Yeah. Well, until this episode. Until this
0: episode. yeah.
1: Which uh, is like, you know, an entire planet's population has been wiped out. Callie's twin sister is dead. So, oh, well, will I won't have to raise six thousand kids. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: da da, 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 da.
1: Could, could could you just not think of an ending to the episode? I mean, what? Well,
0: clearly not.
1: It's a pity because up to that point, it's been a really good episode, it's been really strong, and yet they sort of end it on a joke. Yeah. It's sort of like, that's that's a really inappropriate ending to this, <laughs> considering everything that's happened in this episode.
0: Something I should point out, actually, uh, just going back to Surblend, Um when she has um, Avon Tarrant and Callie at uh, Mercy. Uh You have the old guy from Aeron, who's um you know at, up to that point been the, the guy who's like, oh no, uh, we were right to do everything, but we did. Callie's bad, etc., etc. He's railing against Servalan. How how could you possibly be this cruel, this this this, and Servalan's just like successful. <laughs> and my note is, Servalan on her own is so much better. Than the comedy double act of Servlan and Travis. Yes. I mean, more so Cosplay Travis, but still.
1: Well, well, with Cosplay Travis, she wouldn't have been successful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, Cosplay Travis, you were useless.
0: (laughs) But you provided us with hours of entertainment.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it does seem to be that sort of like since Servalan struck out on her own as president and everything, things seem to be going much better for her.
0: Absolutely,
1: and certainly when she's like uh, all of her plans seem to go belly up the minute she relies on a lackey to do something.
0: And that's the thing because I mean, how often has it been where we've seen Servalan introduced in, into an episode and she's expositioning away something to her latest number one commander? Yes who ultimately will die in that episode, so they'll have to find another number one commander yes. in the next episode. <laughs> uh, and in in this one, it's Daryl. And... Um, I don't know, I, I think his death was slightly harsh, because ultimately it was Ginka that completely screwed Servalan over.
1: Although, to be fair, she was in a crap mood. <laughs> she was
0: in a crap mood, but I don't think it was necessarily Devil's fault.
1: Oh, I'm not say, necessarily saying Devil deserved it, but yeah. your server, lad, you just killed one of your men for like, causing you to blow up your offspring. And then the reason that your plan has failed suddenly teleports into the room. And, you know, your finger just happens to be near the buttons of instant death anyway. Yeah. She's so like, you know what, and fuck you as well. <laughs> not one for compassion. No. Do we have have much more to say about this one? I think that's
0: me pretty much done.
1: Should we go to uh, Gareth's feedback, then?
0: Yes, let's.
1: Okay, so for Children of Auron, he says, so we finally get to the planet of of bad plot devices, or Auron. Ooh. (laughs) Snap. Yeah. (laughs) Zing. Uh, This is, however, after we get these set up to Serverlands plans. Now, this, to me, is Servlan at her most interesting and scheming. There is, as far as I can make out, two plans. One to capture the Liberator, and two to clone herself. I'm glad we got a line on why it has to be Auron, and not a revisit to clone Master Fenn and her her angelic choir. (laughs) There was a whole subplot about who is the better officer between uh, Daryl and Ginka, both out of themselves. I felt that this should have ended up in a fistfight, and... (laughs) And what is it with Servalat's button of death? It's <laughs> a half, it half reminded me of a variation of Imipak. <laughs> if you had a, if you had that earlier, then why don't use it on cosplay Travis? Wow. So Aaron is neutral, and the children are not immune to the virus. Again, I can't help drawing on a modern day equivalent of the whole MMR triple jab issues. So we meet and kill off Zelda even before Link can save her. Sorry, couldn't resist the joke. Hey!
0: Sorry. Finished? Yes.
1: Yeah, okay. She doesn't seem too different from Callie, given the fact that they're twins and that being a direct Link seems to be a convenience that she have come up sooner. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, talking of conveniences, why is devil worried about Pilot 4.0 reading their minds? As we were told all the way back in the first series that uh, people from Aron can't re- read uh, the minds of humans. Oh well, at least they got a reason. To get for, at least we get a reason for Servalan's beam. Uh, speaking of Servalan, I feel sorry for her. Clearly, Jarvik was not mad enough to get her pregnant, unless this is, as I presume, the ultimate narcissistic. Thing to clone yourself. Overall, it's a so-so episode. Even the He-Man ending can't spoil it.
0: So, so, so. You you vastly underestimate uh, this episode's brilliance, sir. <laughs> to paraphrase Peter Cushing.
1: Um, I should. Say and I will. I will not tolerate anyone questioning Javik's manliness. <laughs> <laughs> not. No way. Not. No how. Um.
0: Uh, 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 that has actually reminded me of uh, one note. Oh, yes. You, you, you know how Ginka was played by an uh, Asian actor? He was, yes. You know how when uh, the Aaron Control Centre was kind of invaded by his force? You know how yes. when Ginka Unmasked? Yes. A kind of symbol slash gong played in the background?
1: Did it? Yeah. I I didn't pick up on that.
0: That struck that, me as a little bit lacist.
1: That that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Probably wasn't it. Probably was just like a dramatic reveal, gong noise. But yeah, given <laughs> given the ethnicity of the actor, possibly not the best choice.
0: I don't know, because you know, had a gong noise gone off when Shivon was revealed to be cosplay Travis, then I'd agree. You with still you. wouldn't have cared. I'd. <laughs> I'd, I'd still consider it racist but, <laughs> yeah, rather than just insulting but uh, anyway those no, 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 dark days are behind us let's yes. move forward into the
1: light more and time exactly well then I suppose we should move on to the next episode really shouldn't we righto so you're
3: Shrinker he doesn't look like much it depends on what you paid to get him he cost me enough was it worth it? I'll let you know what are you going to do with me? <laughs> he's going to kill you well, why me? I haven't done anything I've only ever... oh don't tell me let me guess you've only ever followed it's true, it's true. I believe you stand there <laughs> is everything ready? just as you said I set it all up myself are you sure you want to go on with it? yes I'm sure I want to go on with it look Callie I know you don't want any part of this. all right I'm not gonna give you any part of it. you're out. this is mine. I'm doing it. and what am I doing Avon? just following orders like him. she's right to be murdered. well you should know if anyone does. I'm gonna get cleaned up. will you entertain my guest?
1: it'll be a pleasure. I I don't even... I never saw him before. what have I ever done to him?
3: you killed someone he loved.
1: and there aren't many of them about.
3: Avon's not a very lovable man in case you hadn't noticed. Or did they give you names when they gave you your orders and even if they did could you put a face to the name one screaming face among so many screaming faces did they beg Shrinker did they plead no Shrinker please Shrinker can you remember how they cried what they cried can you separate the voices now or is it just one long satisfying scream stop it stop it all of you leave him alone
0: he's an animal Cathy
3: yes and it's contagious isn't it
0: and our second episode tonight is "Rumors of Death." Take it away, Mr. Probert.
1: Thank you, Mr. Wilson. Well, in this episode, we start out with uh, Avon in a cell. Yes, and he wakes, he wakes up, and he's uh, a man called Shrinker comes in, and Avon says, uh, he, "Avon has essentially been wait- says he's been waiting for him." He said if he stood up to the uh, to the punishment, they'd eventually have to call him in. Uh, Shrinker says that they've uh, detected a homing device in his neck and and said it's been transmitting steadily for five days. Shrinker threatens Avon with a laser probe and says he's basically going to burn out his eyeballs unless he explains who he is. Avon points out out that uh, the homing device isn't going to lead anybody to him, but now he's turned it off, then it is, at which point Tarrant and Dana teleport in. Uh, They basically put a teleport bracelet on Shrinker and teleport him back up to the Liberator. Uh, Avon makes it quite clear to Shrinker that he's going to kill him. Uh, he goes off to get himself sort of cleaned up because he spent sort of like five days essentially getting beaten up and interrogated. Uh, Callie is very unhappy about this um, this entire plan and wanted to be involved. Avon said, Well, I'm not going to make you involved, that's fine. You don't want to be involved, fine, don't be involved. Uh, the rest of the crews do start to uh, taunt Shrinker, because uh, Shrinker is a sort of, long-standing federation interrogator. And again, Callie is sort of disgusted at their behaviour. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Councillor Chescu is walking through uh, some country grounds with his wife Sula. And they are there as part of Servaland's inaugural um, dinner and address as president. Apparently, she's had an entire mansion built, which, according to Sula, could have been you know could have built two cities. The amount of money it cost. Uh, Sula then uh, turns on Chesky with the help of a couple of guards, who so it turns out are rebels in disguise. Uh, Sula then kills Chesky, and uh, they take his clothes and his identification. Inside the mansion, we see uh, two uh, security surveillance personnel called. Uh, Forrest and... I believe it's Forrest and... Uh, Gurney. Uh, I that
0: Wikipedia says Grenley.
1: Grenley, sorry. I've just well, got it down for, as Major. Yep. Yeah. Forrest and Major... It's, it's section leader Forrest and Major Grenley. And uh, they're, they're just sort of keeping an eye on things and chatting. Uh, Avon puts a, his teleport bracelet back on Shrinker and um, the, the two of them teleport into a cave. Uh, Avon says the only way in is the way they got in, i.e. via teleport. He takes Shrinker's bracelets off him. He has a pistol with him, not not one of the standard Liberator guns. And he shows her a picture of Anna Grant. And we have a little bit of a flashback of Anna talking to Avon. Uh, Shrinker denies seeing her and says, but you weren't even with Blake then, why would I be interested in you? Avon explains his plans to uh, basically defraud the Federation banking system, at which point Trinker tells him that Bar- someone called Bartholomew was working him. Uh, Bartholomew was the Federation's top undercover agent, and apparently the Federation believed, once they got wind of Avon's attempted uh, bank robbery, that it was going to be politically motivated, and so Bartholomew had been ordered to get close to Avon. And Schrinker says that anybody who Avon spoke to was picked up and interrogated. So he says if anybody interrogated Anna Grant, it was probably Bartholomew. Back at the mansion, uh, Sulu and the rebels uh, take out a bunch of security cameras. Uh, The two guys in the security station send out a patrol to investigate. Uh, Servalan, meanwhile, is walking around the marvellously... well-appointed dining room and uh, asks uh, Major Grenley if everything's alright. Grenley says, yes, everything's fine, despite the fact that it isn't, but he knows better than to tell Servalan that uh, there's any problem. Uh, the Federation Patrol is taken out by the rebels who take their uniforms and then report back to the security observation post that everything's okay. And uh, the reason that the security system went down was because of a squirrel. <laughs> Fucking squirrels! Uh, dear. So they prepare for phase two, which is apparently going to be in two hours time. Uh, Avon offers Shrinker a way out of the cave if he can tell him who ba- tell him who Bartholomew is. Shrinker says he doesn't know. Bartholomew was always undercover. But apparently when he was working with some rebels after the war, who were trying to sort of take over before we switched back to the Federation, he questioned somebody at- about uh, who Bartholomew is. And they mentioned uh, Councillor Chescue's name. So, Avon, in return for this information, gives Shrinker his way out, which is the gun. He leaves him the gun and teleports out, taking the bracelet with Shrinker's bracelet with him, which means Shrinker has no choice but to either die slowly in the cave or to shoot himself. Avon immediately goes to Aurak and demands to know exactly where Servalan is, because Shrinker said if anybody news, knows who Bartholomew is, it's probably her, and uh, tells him to go uh, find Chesky as well. Back at the mansion, uh, the Rebels make their move with uh, Sula and somebody disguised as Chesky. Uh, foreign and Grendy are quite enjoying the idea of uh, the what the, the person they think is Chesky running because they think he's upset because Cerverland's getting very annoyed that Chesky's keeping her waiting. But then all of a sudden they notice that the Rebels are coming and there's a big battle. And then they burst in and uh, they both get shot. Uh Forrest dies, and uh, Grendy's wounded. The rebels capture Servalan. And uh, back on the Liberator, Aurak recommends... Um, Aurak's found out where this mansion is, but he recommends to Avon that he should wait until dusk when uh, the security will be more vulnerable. Uh, Sula is talking to uh, one of the other re- le- uh, rebel leaders, uh, and he's saying that all the men want Servalan killed, and Sula's saying that he's... Need- Servalan alive, so that she could publicly hand over power to a uh, a people's council so this this guy agrees to help her convince the rest of the men so they go off to talk to the rest of the rebels uh, Grendi puts out a distress call uh, Avon gets ready to teleport down the others agree to go with him apart from Villa <laughs> who's staying behind to operate the teleport obviously Uh, So they teleport into the outskirts of the grounds. they find all the guards dead. Uh, Parrot calls up to Vina and tells him to to stay awake, stay alert and don't be drunk. To which Vina is is deeply offended as he pours out a massive drink and and toasts Sorak.
0: (laughs) I can sympathise with that.
1: Yes. (laughs) So, uh... The, rest, the Liberator crew get to the outside of the house. They take out a few rebel guards. Uh, but they, they find the very badly wounded uh, Grenly. Tarrant convinces him that uh, they're part of the Federation. It gets to take them to where Servalan is. Servalan is chained up in the cellar. Uh, Avon offers to uh, free Servalan in return for information. Servalan's a bit reluctant to like to talk to basically she's very, very defeated. And then uh, Sula comes to the cellar and it turns out that Sula is actually Anna Grant. Uh, Avon is very confused and conflicted about what's happening. Sula's all oh oh Avon I was you know I'm so happy to see you. It was so lovely to see you again and everything. But Avon keeps putting things in puts things together in his head and works out that um Anna is actually Bartholomew. Uh, Anna pulls a knife on him. Avon shoots her. Uh, Avon, again, is very sort of like emotionally distraught. He takes off his bracelet. A half cut villa accidentally teleports everybody back up to the ship, (laughs) leaving Avon stranded behind. Meanwhile, the security forces that um, Grendly called her surrounded the house. Uh, Serverland demands that Avon puts the bracelet on, and she's going to shoot him in the head and send them back up a corpse. But as she's about to do it the uh, the other rebel leader runs into into the room, and Servaland shoots him instead, and Avon teleports up out of the way so uh at the end, Avon uh is quite visibly shaken by the whole experience, and the liberator flies off Mr Wilson, your thoughts on this um again, really quite strong
0: uh
1: because it's it's very different. Yes, I think, uh, I, I, I think this is a blinding episode I think this is really, really good
0: I, I, I think, I mean the tone's set straight away where you see Avon in a prison town, you're like, okay what's going on here? And then you find out oh, he's been there for five days and oh, here's, here's his torturer, oh, it's the torturer that he was going after in the previous episode and then Dana and Tarrant beam down and all of a sudden Okay, they've got a capture going on and Ben he he comes back up to the Liberator and uh, oh Callie's still got on her moral high horse and okay, so this is gearing up to be pretty darn good and um yeah it it just doesn't really look back from there, does it? It's it's a really um it's a very dark story and um you see Avon Kind of at his worst. You see Servlan, even at her weakest, she's still pretty damn ruthless and um, Yeah. And it's a nice kind of conclusion to the um arc, which was starting well It's wrong to say... Countdown, effectively. Well, exactly. It's wrong to say a story arc started in Countdown, but because they decided to bring it back in the previous episode, may go, okay, where's this leading to, and here's the very obvious conclusion. And whilst I was kind of, um... Uh, what's the word? I was kind of confused about Anna being Bartholomew. Um... Otherwise, I, I, I very much like the episode.
1: I mean, I, I think this is just a very, very good episode. I mean, it, it, again, it's dark. It's very Avon-heavy yes. for obvious reasons. Yes. And you see, like the depth of Avon's determination, with mean, the fact that he's willingly been beaten up and interrogated for five days straight, knowing that yeah he can't crack because if he you know he has nothing to tell them. But he, he says he couldn't tell them then his name because otherwise the, the jig would be up. But he had to keep his mouth shut because if he kept his mouth shut for long enough, they would send for Shrinker. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you, you can imagine how hard the Federation must have been asking questions. Because hey, well, he's in a bit of a state by the time <laughs> um, Shrinker turns up in his cell. Clearly. You think, by God, that's commitment to getting your man, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah, and once sort of like like the, the whole area that they've sort of scoped out for interrogating Shrinker, like, like Villa says, oh, he's, he set it all up for him and sorted everything out for him. So Villa has clearly been in this cave and set you know all the lights up and the big picture of Anna and all this business to try and get information out of him. Like uh, this is all a plan that's been in place for a while, and it's just very, very uh, again, it's very dark, very intense, and. Bloody brilliant! But I, I got to say, there's a couple of nice little touches between Villa and Avon. Like when Avon first teleports back up to the ship with Shrinker. So I had like Dana and Tarrant are keeping an eye on Shrinker. The first thing that Villa does is give Avon a drink. Yes. But there's, but there's like a, like a caring sort of like yeah, there's like a, there's a look between them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an unspoken thing, but it's, a, it's sort of like yeah. I've got your back on this. And I really like that. Alright, mean, what do you think of Shrinker?
0: It it was very interesting to see the um character progression of Shrinker because he starts obviously as this really nasty piece of work. Um which and obviously you're you're led to believe that okay, he's he's the guy that you know, he killed Avon's lover and therefore of course, he's going to be a nasty piece of work. And then it gets a bit more complicated. A, because he's kind of cornered and put in a hole. So it reduces the kind of bravado that he was, uh, kind of flaunting at the very beginning. And then, um, when he puts his case to the fact that it really wasn't him, um, who uh, did did the actual dirty work that Avon's referring to then there's, there's this this kind of desperation within the character it's like look you've definitely got the wrong guy and I do not want to die because you've got the wrong person I mean ok he's, he's always going to be a nasty piece of work but uh, is it right that he dies because Avon's accusing him of something he hasn't actually done and the answer is probably yes, but still. Um, I, I, I think it's thrown into sharp relief with Callie, because, you know, as soon as um shrink is on board the Liberator, all of the earthlings kind of like crowd around him and circle him and taunt him. And Callie's like, What the hell are you doing? This is sickening. Um they're going, Oh, he's the bad guy, and she's saying, "Yeah," and I, I can see how his influence is spreading. Um, she's she's really not impressed with what her friends are up to.
1: I mean, I think it's good that they've got Callie there as that sort of uh, alternate voice, because I, I, otherwise, I think it would have been much more uncomfortable to watch. I think. Yeah. But it's also kind of interesting, like you say, it's all the people from Earth. Although I mean, having said that, Dana didn't really live under Federation control particularly. I mean, like she knew off the Federation from her dad, but she's never yeah. actually lived under Federation but, control. But
0: she is from Earth all the same, isn't
1: she? But well I mean so what I was thinking, because for someone like Tarrant and Villa, someone like Shrinker is the boogeyman.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like a high level Federation interrogator. That's someone you'd move heaven and hell to not be near.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah, they would have they would have heard stories of yeah, the kind of things he did and the you know, the kind of deaths he he carried out and that. So to have him was like at their mercy. You could completely understand why they're taking the attitude they're taking.
0: Yeah.
1: But at the same time, you you completely get Callie's disgust with it as well.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Say, I mean, like this episode is brilliantly written. I mean, yeah, Chris Boucher's pulled it out of the bag again.
3: Yeah, Chris Boucher. Say,
1: yeah. well yeah, Chris Boucher wrote this one. I've got to say the last. Three Chris Boucher stories.
0: Uh, I've been. I'm. I'm looking. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. Uh, the previous one was City at the Edge of the World. Brilliant. Which was my first Chris Boucher story. Yep. Thank God.
1: No, no. Your, your first Chris Boucher story was Star One. We talked about this last time. Um. Did I do Star One? You, you did Star One. You you always do season finales. The way the, the way it breaks down, you always do season finales
0: oh well I'm, I'm such a lucky man then clearly
1: yes because uh, cause the shaky start he's had with things like Shadow
0: mm.
1: and then all of a sudden sort of like from Star 1 onwards it's been gold
0: uh, okay in which case I've had two really good Chris Boucher ones and then the Chris Boucher one before uh, Star 1 was Trial and I like Trial yeah even with well we, we liked half of we, trial we liked half of trial yeah <laughs> let's never th- speak of the other half again yes <laughs> fucking
1: zeal but yeah uh, and uh, yes yeah, so the, uh, the intensity of those scenes with Shrinker just like yeah, you know, the two of them in the cave and that, and when like Avon sort of saying he's going to give him a, give him a way out, he goes, oh, "There's your way out." Bye. <laughs> it's it's pretty damn dark. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um. But then, I mean, at the same time, I mean, as you say, I mean, Avon got Velos to set up all those images of uh, Anna. You, you get the flashbacks as well. Yeah, which is a, a definitely a new thing for Blake Seven.
1: And uh, they're very much sort of point of view flashbacks, I imagine, because they're cheaper. Because <laughs> you just got got to wear the, you know, get the actress covered up in a silver blanket in bed because you know it's the future and all the blankets are silver.
0: Yeah, well, it's easier to do than making uh, Paul Darrow look younger.
1: Well, you wouldn't have to make him look much younger because all this happened supposedly sort of just before he was arrested. He hasn't aged that much since series one.
0: Well, you say that, but I mean, uh, within *Time Flight* itself, six months uh, pass. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. It's like *Time Flight*, *Spacefall*. Yes. *Time, time Flight*—something completely different.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Especially as I've not ever watched it. No, neither have I. Just... I hear it's shit. <laughs> Like the web,
1: apparently yes. <laughs> uh, you see, I've watched Time Lash. Yeah, that, that that's an amazing multi-level fail. There, <laughs> I
0: I love Time Lash. I love, I, I love I love Paul Darrow playing Richard the se uh, Richard the Third. Yes, and the puppet aliens. Uh, <laughs> fucking bandrils. <laughs>
1: but I, I feel we're getting off point here. Possibly so, possibly so. <laughs> Let,
0: let's go back to something that's actually good.
1: Yes. Now, again, I've got to say, I love um, Forrest and Grenley.
0: Now, am I right in thinking that uh, Forrest is a very young David Haig? It is, yes. Because, I mean, granted I've got Wikipedia in front of me, but even before that, I'm like... I know that guy. I from somewhere. And I, I then checked Wikipedia oh, save it, hey. With a lot more hair. Um, yes, n-
1: no mustache. And <laughs> no mustache. Um But they made
0: they made for a very good double act.
1: And again it's back to this sort of uh, the little people of the Federation. Who were just sort of two working schmoes who uh, you were know, just trying to make their way. Like, uh, Forrest you who know, are cracking jokes about, you know, his mother cried when when he left because he owed her money <laughs> yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah, he he's got clearly the uh, the young Turk, the uh, the cut up. <laughs> <laughs> you got Granny the more experienced officer.
0: Yeah, but he's he's <laughs> there's something about it that just. You see like a very uh cocky, confident young guy who's he's kind of looking to make his way up the ladder and then you've got his superior just like uh you need to change your attitude, you and um you know, you you buy into the characters so much that it's actually a real shame when they both get shot.
1: Yeah, in fact I wrote in my note my notes Forrest and Granny shot. Oh
0: I I as much as said boo in my
1: notes. <laughs> Bollocks to the Rebels. You do end up really connecting with these guys.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: the lo- fact, uh, Grendy's sort of sharing his experience. and it's, Again, it's a wonderful little snapshot the Federation has viewed by people who are quite low down in it. Whether uh, yeah. he's... Um, Forrest is talking about um, correct procedure. And Grendy goes, ah, well, you, you have to remember that yeah, there's different correct procedures depending on who's... Um, who you're talking to if for instance a councillor wants to take a turn around the grounds outside the perimeter fine you know if he wants to swing naked from tree to tree spitting on the security cameras that's standard procedure that's the way it works and so again yeah you know, and Forrest is sort of giggling at that and, it, and that bit with the two of them see what they think is um Chesky sort of running and and they're both laughing about the fact that, oh, yeah, it's a bit scared of Madam President. He better have flameproof underwear on when he gets there. And like, oh, come on, run. Again, this is like, you know, they're just sort of taking the piss out of him. As a couple of sort of security guards watching somebody supposedly very important run to a meeting with somebody even more important. You know, would, because that's the sort that would amuse them. It just seems very... Again, it just seems very real, very human, and just adds so much sort of background and depth to the Federation as a whole. And, yeah, you are you are genuinely gutted when they get shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, because... I mean, I... Identi- not identified, perhaps, but I sympathise a lot more with them, just because they were on screen a lot more, and you got to see more of their personalities, than the Rebels themselves. Who... Yeah. We're obviously fighting for truth and justice in the American way and everything, but I mean, I mean they, they just turn up and they get shot. And I mean, theoretically, you're meant to sympathize for um, Anna, but uh, do, I mean, just because she's diametrically opposed to serverland, but these guys haven't really done anything wrong other than. The fact that they're employed by Serverland and their security, so they're
1: kind of targeted to um, die essentially. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about the writing because you know, these guys are essentially henchmen, they're working for Serverland, who we all know is evil. Mm. But because they just You just see them Just on their own So much like, These aren't bad guys These aren't true believers In the Federation cause These are guys Who who are just Doing a job
0: There is um, Actually A very good line uh, By Tarrant Who says uh, After uh, The mage has been shot Said Yes You're dying But that's what you're paid for So You know Come on and help
1: us in fact, I did like that moment where, like, Avon's in there just sort of shaking. He's like, where's Servalad? Where's Servalad? And Tarrant recognises that he's dazed and he's probably more likely to respond to a different approach. So immediately puts his, um, sort of Federation commander's hat on. Yeah. And starts addressing him as, yeah, you it know, addresses him by rank. And, uh, like... And it, that kind of, like, yes, you're dying, that's what you're paid for, like, is delivered in a very sort of Federation officery kind of way as well. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and, like, yeah, it, it's a nice way of, sort of showing that Tarrant in certain situations is better at getting information out of people than Avon is. Exactly. I mean, it works. I mean, that... It, it's a nice little touch that actually gives Tarrant a bit of character. Yeah. Yeah. Which he's not had buckets of, to be honest. Well, not, not in likability, put it that no. way. So yeah, just it's amazing that the quality of the writing can make you care completely about these two characters who are working for the bad guy <laughs> who, you only, who you've only seen in that episode and yet you're still just completely just, oh, yeah. What do you kill I them was,
0: for? Because I will say this much, I didn't feel that
1: when uh, Anna died. No. Because what was You're feeling more for Avon in that situation.
0: You kind of are, but I mean... Dave, explain this to me. Anna is Bartholomew. Yes. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. Is no. a man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean... Anna, Anna is Bartholomew. I mean... Yes. What? How? I'm, con- well, I'm confused. Well,
1: that, that... What? I'm confused. Well, like... Shrinker said that when they found out that Avon was planning his bank heist they they assigned Bartholomew to get close to him so she did, as Anna Grant became romantically involved with Avon.
0: Right, but as Anna Grant her brother was Del Grant who was an actual character
1: Yeah, there is that Shut up, that's why.
0: (laughs) I apologise, Mr. (laughs) Medcalf.
1: Yeah, no, no, that is confusing. Now you mention it. I actually, I'd completely forgotten about that.
0: Because that's the thing. Because the whole reason the character was introduced in the first episode was tension between Avon and Del Grant.
1: Unless, unless Anna Grant is her real name.
0: Right, but she was just referred to as Bartholomew.
1: Yeah, like, like Bartholomew's like a code name.
0: No, you see, I can absolutely buy that. It's just, it really wasn't made very clear.
1: I mean, I always assumed Bartholomew was a code name because they would say, like, nobody knows who Bartholomew is. If Bartholomew's name is actually just Bartholomew, that's, right. that's quite an easy thing to track down. But where's the phone book? <laughs>
0: So, Anna Grant was always a Federation torturer.
1: Yeah, well, undercover agent.
0: And just assigned to oh. Avon once they got wind of him. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, clearly, such a good undercover agent, even her brother had no idea. <laughs> clearly. And, and thought she was dead.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. Which, which is as much as stated in this episode. Yeah. But they do call back to Del
1: Grant So yeah, it's um it's a twist, but I mean it's one of those things that make that in the heat of the moment of the episode you're like, Oh right, yeah, but like, it's when you walk away from it, hang on
0: Yeah
1: <laughs> Wait a minute Oh dear <laughs> But yeah, I mean like Servalan in this episode is I mean that moment between Servaland and Avon in the cellar it's frankly it, it's an acting tour de force from, from Messrs Darrow and Pierce
0: yeah um, it's very interesting because obviously Servalan is completely at someone's mercy and I mean it it takes everyone to note. oh you've been beaten up as well because I mean we've seen Servalan in kind of dire straits before but she has never been kind of manhandled the way that she's been in this episode. Well, uh, I mean, she's not even completely but, defeated even by Jarvik.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and and like, um, it takes it takes Tarrant again to point out why she's so vulnerable and why she's so hurt and defeated. Because, yeah, this was meant to be her stronghold. She's uh, look, look, I love where like, Tarant rattles out all of her titles. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember them off the top of my head, no. but it's just like a, a protector of the earth, keeper of the six fleets and stuff like that. Yeah. Heir to the holy rings of Beta Z. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... um. I'm trying to explain it, really. Like, yeah, that, that sort of vulgar. Voldem- there's a real vulnerability to Servalan here I mean like yeah she looks on the point of tears and on defeat and she genuinely doesn't give a shit what Avon does to her she's just like you know what it's done everything that you can do to me has been done yeah because he like, even threatens to torture her at one point doesn't he? and she's like you know like, do your worst <laughs> not much worse you can do to me really but yeah I mean, it is sort of intubated that she has been sort of heavily knocked about and treated very poorly
0: and, for, I mean, for someone who's vain and haughty as Servalan, I mean, that in itself has got to be yeah. really demoralising.
1: And the fact that basically she's been chained up in the basement of her own sort of presidential palace. Yeah. When she was supposed to be unveiling it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that won't play in very well to her vanity. No. No. <laughs> but, no, I absolutely get what you mean, There's Scenes between Serverland and Avon because I mean Serverland's at a completely different level as to how she normally addresses Avon. Um, she's just defeated. I mean, at first she thinks that the whole thing was Avon's plan to begin with, and it wasn't. And Avon quickly makes her aware of this, but we we see. Well, I'm only surprised because in. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean. This is a successful uprising Which, you know If Blake was still part of the Liberator crew You could imagine, yes, they would definitely be a part of But since Avon's been in charge They've made absolutely no motion To do anything to usurp the Federation Whatsoever Yep They've done nothing Pretty much So why she would assume that Avon is responsible for this successful uprising, I don't know, because Avon has shown a singular lack of interest in that direction.
0: But well, she, as much as says that within like three episodes of this series, it's just like, yeah, wait, without Blake, they're not actually really gunning for me. So uh, I mean, the, the whole reason that they come into contact since then is because she really wants the Liberator. Yeah,
1: like if she didn't want the liberator, they'd be quite happy to happily to just go about whatever it is they're doing.
0: Exactly, and this episode in particular, she didn't even have the liberator in her sight. She was just there to, you know, have a meet and greet at her new mansion home. Yeah, you know, it was, the liberator was pretty much the furthest, perhaps not the furthest thing in her mind, but um, it wasn't her top priority. So. I think she would have been as surprised as anyone to actually see any of the Liberator Queen there.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Paul Darrow. I mean, for for all of his sort of overacting moments or whatever, I think there the like the moment where like you can see on his face that when he sees Anna, there's a real battle between Avon's sort of rational side and his emotional side. Yeah. Like he, his his rational side has put two and two together straight away. Well, Anna's Bartholomew boom straight away. Yeah. But the emotional side which he very rarely taps into and sort of essentially denies all the time. Like <laughs> well, yeah, doesn't want to believe it. Uh, especially when you consider like you know, Anna has been like yeah, you know, the, the one good thing Avon's considered to have had in his life, you know. Mm. That's why he's made such a big thing of avenging her death. Cuz yeah, the only person that he's ever sort of, you know, loved or cared about or had any sort of affection for really.
0: Mm. And it's weird because you you kind of see that character trope come up more and more nowadays, in the, the the trusted woman who was actually, you know, she was always in for some other cause to begin with, but while she was sticking fast to the mission, she still did kind of fall for the person. So it wasn't a complete lie throughout. But um, yeah, it was it was just very weird because I mean. I mean, Avon's always looking off-screen. He he can't better look at her, because he, in his own mind, he's figuring it out. And he's listening to her excuses. And it quickly... transpires quick as a flash that he just shoots
1: her. Yeah, well, she just she pull, like, a knife on him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not like he just turns around and goes, BOOM! Yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't Pits do it down. on a whim. Yeah, he doesn't do it on a whim.
0: <laughs> she had yeah. it coming. Etc.
1: But um, I think that. But again, interestingly, like the most sympathetic-sounding person in the room is Servalan, because like what she says. Like, you know, Until, and like, like, you you get it yeah. now, don't you? And she's quite softly spoken.
0: Yeah. And then she says, "I'm going to send you back to your crew as a corpse." So. Oh yeah! Don't get me wrong. He doesn't last because she you know, loses she's that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. But just in that moment. You know? Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, because, I mean, Serverline and Avon are so similar in personality. But y- yeah. you can understand that. And in a way, you can kind of see that Avon and um, Anna were very similar in personality. It's just that they weren't on the same footing. And granted, Avon and Serverline aren't on the same footing. But they absolutely know one another for who they are. Yeah.
1: So,
0: I mean, it makes for a very interesting dynamic.
1: I would say possibly the only thing that maybe counts a little bit against the episode for me is there's a lack of any kind of chemistry between the woman playing Anna and Paul Darrow. Well, especially considering the you know, the kind of chemistry that him and Jacqueline Pierce have together when they're on screen yeah I mean they, they sizzle when they're you know Riley bantering with each other and there is a, a smolder to them both
0: I mean in fairness and, I mean they've they've had that much longer to try and shine whereas Darrow and this actress they have what a five minute scene together
1: yeah because like all the other times in the flashbacks, you don't actually see Avon; it's just his voiceover. So they're yeah. not really being acting against each other. Yeah. So, like I say, it's, it's a one minor thing about the episode that you could quibble with is the fact that you know, even even though the script tells you that Avon sort of loves this woman and yeah, he she was remarkable, you don't get too much of a sense of that. I don't think. But then but here's as, the thing. As I say, it, it,
0: it the thing. It's though, a minor Dave. quibble. Here, here's the thing. Is it, l- is it less convincing than Blake and his cousin? <laughs> because if that's the case, then we're in
1: trouble. It, it It's not less convincing than that, no. Thank
0: God for that.
1: <laughs> now, I want to bring up like, a minor point here. Um, Villa and the drink. <laughs> now, this is played for laughs, but... Many times this series, so far, we have seen more and more that Villa has been reaching for the bottle in times of stress. Right. But, it just makes me wonder, Villa seems to be developing a bit of a drink problem. But, speaking of... And a kind of, I mean, yeah. admittedly an understandable one, because, you know, it's he's in situations of high stress and he doesn't know how to cope. And there appears to be copious amounts of booze on the Liberator. <laughs> Apparently, there's a threshers next door to the Claire's <laughs> accessories. Um, but yeah, they, they do seem to be sort of like subtly playing up on this thing that yeah, that not only is he a drinker, but he's a known drinker as well. That he just sort of spends all of his time sort of like when he's not in deadly danger, just getting drunk.
0: Uh, again, another reason why I'd identify weird filler.
1: But <laughs> In fact, I do love that line. He says like. I only drink to be social, but cheers, all right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then, um, I suppose one could argue uh, that this episode and the previous episodes are coming off the back of him making the greatest mistake of his life, and leaving his best chance of a love interest alone on a planet that he could have taken part in Stuff like that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's completely explainable. I just think it's like it's, it's an interesting and subtle, uh, like character development for him. You know. Yeah, I, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's a good thing. It's not something we've
0: really seen before. I mean, it's been hinted at from a hit time and again, but um, yeah, the the past couple of episodes they they've been right there, haven't
1: they? Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see if that continues. Well. Yeah, because I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, it's just something I've noticed recently. And they are sort of like
0: a. And I've not seen the hit episodes hit. to come, so.
1: Yeah, so is it, is it, if they're going to be, if it going to be continue hitting the bottle. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't want to see an episode where they stage an intervention.
0: <laughs> Nor do I, but, Because it might translate at, at the same into time, the yeah, real yeah, it'd world. It'd
1: be nice to see that aspect of the character brought into play. Yeah, yeah. So, do we have anything more we want to say about this one?
0: Uh, I think that's me done for this one.
1: Should we do some feedback then?
0: I think I know who you're referring to.
1: Well, we do have some from this from uh, Gareth first.
0: Yep, that's who I meant.
1: Yep. (laughs) So he, uh, Gareth says, so we get what seems a as a throwaway line of the last episode. To set up this one, and we get more on the Anna Grant backstory. But man, Avon looks like he, he looks like me the night on the, after a night in the town, and he's after Shrinker, and the powerful karate chop is in full effect. Yep, yep. <laughs> so the Earth hasn't revolted. I guess without Blake, it didn't amount to much. Then again, what is that is quite clearly what Anna is up to as a leader, so it might stand a chance. Again, we get an interesting double act with the section leader and the major, one being the old hat, while the other's the cheeky chappy. So uh, Shrinker sets up Bartholomew, and and I hate to say it, I could see the whole Bartholomew Anna twist long before we got down into the dungeon with, with a tied-up servalant. Speaking of her, I love the way she is loving the royal treatment. I did feel sorry for her again, even though she did not, even she did not deserve to be beaten up like that. So Shrinker was left to die, and to be honest, he is kind. It, it was kind of fitting and, and quite just for Avon, a man who would shoot Anna when the penny dropped. So it's an average episode of Blake Seven, and it seemed it could have been done with more of a build-up to it. Sorry, the second episode feedback was so short, but I had to get it to you before you recorded. Well, thank you for that, Gareth.
0: Yeah, you could have got it to the other email address. <laughs>
1: Yes, because he didn't have anything to read out. this. No, so I didn't!
0: That And thanks for reminding people of that. <laughs> I'm very gracious. Actually, gracious, Actually, he, gracious isn't the word. But.
1: Gareth does pick up a point with that, because uh, I forgot to mention, because this does, does point out, why hasn't the revolt happened? You know, why is Earth still being run by people like Shrinker? And... It, it's a fairly good point. The Federation was in disarray, but it's coming back and none of these little groups seem to have risen up.
0: Hmm. I'm guessing it's because, um I mean, ultimately the intergalactic war was just that. It was intergalactic. So it was like the fleets and everything going out and like as many Federation people going out there to, to fight as possible. But they're obviously going to have some planets as strongholds I'm guessing that Earth would be one of those strongholds.
1: I think another part of it is that it, I think it just goes to show how much of a figurehead Blake was for the resistance. Because as, as Avon points out, it, um, I think it's at this, in, in Horizon that you know, the one person that all the rebel leaders would follow was Blake. Right. And so without Blake to sort of unite all the disparate rebellious factions, maybe there just wasn't enough of them, but they weren't organised enough to actually take advantage of the situation.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, it's certainly my reading of it, anyway. Oh,
0: it makes sense.
1: So, shall we uh, have some feedback from the orgs?
4: Oh,
0: why not? Hello!
3: Hello!
4: We are feeding back on rumours
3: of death. It's the Avon one.
4: It's a very Avon one. It's an excellent Avon one. It's cool. It's made excellent by the fact that they sort of planted seeds in the past, sort of. They have for a
3: long time.
4: Yeah, I mean, the whole thing started off with that second season episode, wasn't it? Yeah. When he was, Countdown. Yes, it with that guy who was. Del Grant. Yeah, so that was rather splendid. You've got Shrinker. Yeah. Who's not that an impressive character. He seems to go from confident swagger to jelly in no time flat. Although I quite like the idea of him working for both sides. Yes, <laughs> I thought
3: that was quite amusing.
4: Changing sides on a regular basis. And Paul Darrow doesn't impress at the start, I don't think, his acting. when hes I mean, it's kind of it's hard to say, isn't it? Because he's, he's acting as Avon, acting as though he's feeling all his lost when he knows that or not. So yeah. you see what I mean? He's acting, yeah. acting. So maybe you could claim that actually, you know, Avon isn't a good actor, therefore. But even so, it doesn't come across very well. And then, when he gets get back, it's very sweet of Villa to get him a drink, Of <laughs> course. <I> yes, <thought. laughs> yes. Then we cut to the Federation and you've got yet another stately home. What is it about the Federation and stately
3: homes? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's more about the BBC and the stately homes, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. Yes, possibly. They're probably using the same ones that Doctor Who was using around the same period.
4: Yeah. We have some flashbacks, which start off quite nicely, but then... Later on in the episode, seemed to cut to penis cam. Which I know! That was just
3: awful! <laughs>
4: Why am I looking through Avon's penis? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just
4: the pink colour of the tube <laughs> that you're looking through? It, yeah.
3: There
4: we are. Penis vision. It's the future.
3: Is it? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs>
4: Won't have to insert the camera.
3: <sighs> no.
4: Serverland gets a slap. Nice. And a, a
3: threat... That she has to resign. This is what really pissed me off about the episode, is that the men want her killed, and the men are fucking right, killer!
4: (laughs) Bad enough that it happens once. I mean, you know, the idiots. Supposedly... Sula. Sula, or whatever she's called, because she has several names, isn't she? She does. Apparently she knows Servalan really well. Well, if she did know her very well, she'd know damn well that there's no point trying to keep her alive. No, to she'll just double-cross and
3: find a way out.
4: Exactly. Her self, Stupid.
3: Her instinct for self-preservation is just too strong.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, does the fact that she cannot be trusted ought to be printed on, on her brain, really, but it clearly isn't. And then, you know, at the end of the episode, Avon seems willing to let her free, and it's like, have you learnt nothing? Annoying. Yeah. And then when everybody's down on... Avon's mission, you've got Villa up on the Liberator, drinking himself <laughs> to yeah, oblivion. Yeah, I liked that. <laughs> Only drink to be sociable. Cheers, Cheers all right. All right yes. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> There's some wonderful, wonderful lines in this. I let you go, my love. Oh no, you never let me go, which is really good. So yeah, generally good episode, just with a couple of stupid, foolish, let's serve free moments where yeah. you just think nobody ever learns, do they?
3: Yeah, I don't understand it with Avon. Ooh. Because Avon with the, definitely
4: should know better. With, with
3: the other character, it's kind of like, yes, it pisses you off, but they're not a regular recurring character, yeah. so if they happen to be a twat, so be it. Mm. But with Avon, you're like, yeah. I mean, the idea that he's some sort of man of his word or something is just... No, that doesn't, doesn't match his doesn't character work, at all, Doesn't work at all. Yeah. He should just shoot her. Or, like he did to the shrinker man, his deal was he got a gun. He yes. He actually let He go. got his way out. Yes. Yeah. There's or your way
4: out. Feel free to use it. Yeah, or do something out.
3: like, you know, shoot her with the kneecaps and then set her free. And yeah. Go, no. There you go. You can get out if you can crawl.
4: Yeah, quite.
3: That would have been you So, not necessarily killing her, giving her a way out, but yeah. a very, very small margin. Yes, that would have fitted, hmm. I think. But as it was...
4: The only other thing I wanted to mention was that those two security guards were the Forres and Grinley. Yeah. They're really well written. You do this sort of ground level Federation characters really well, don't they? Yes. And they've got a nice character. You're kind of sorry that they end up dying in the end, but there we go. Yeah. Such is the lot of a Federation <laughs> security yeah. guard, isn't it, really?
3: But I, also, I liked it that the reason that the rebellion could happen was because Grinley was so scared of. Repercussions and um, recriminations from a serverland or people higher mm. up that even though there was a problem, he denied it. And he said, No, you don't do that because we'll get it in the neck. And exactly. actually, yes, he should have done that
4: badly motivated. Yes,
3: <laughs> so it just shows that dictatorships don't work.
4: work. But a damn fine episode, I thought.
3: Very good, good fun. Yeah,
1: bye, guys. Bye, goodbye. Well. Th- 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 very charitable thoughts for the from the vicar and his wife about shooting a <laughs> dictator through the kneecaps and her crawling yep, to safety. That's
0: that's what Jesus would have wanted. <laughs> that, that
1: was <laughs> That was thought of the day <laughs> on Radio Four. That's
0: why I switched to five lives. So,
1: if you have your enemy if you have your enemy at your mercy, shoot them in the kneecaps and let them crawl to safety.
0: <laughs> God bless. <laughs>
1: Oh, they—they are lovely, lovely people.
0: Uh, I've only met uh, Mr. Org, but I—I uh, I dare say Mrs. Org is quite nice too.
1: Oh, m- oh Mrs. Org wow. is equally lovely. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. They pretty much covered everything that in five minutes that we've been waffling on about now for the better part of half an hour. <laughs> so much more succinct. Absolutely. But yes. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Right, well, if we're done here, well, let's bring on the Who Counts! for Children of Auron we have uh, Rio Fanning who was uh, Captain Durkle was uh, Harker in the Horror of Fang Rock uh, Ronald Lee Hunt who was CA1 the, uh, the stupid old man in charge of Auron oh was that the guy okay. yes he was uh, Commander Radner in the Seeds of Death and Commander Stevenson in Revenge of the Cybermen Commander Yes, if you wanted a commander, he was your man (laughs) Uh, John Cannon, who was a trooper Was first mentioned, I believe, last month Because he played Sir Ranulph's first servant in The King's Demons (laughs) Our old friend, Mr Henry Fielder, who was a trooper Was a Krag commander in Sharda
0: Of course he was
1: and James Haswell who was a technician played Corporal Chapman in The Ambassadors of Death which gives us a who count of five. Okay. But I'm also going to give an honourable mention to the actor who played Pilot 4 who was uh, Michael Troughton Patrick Troughton's son.
0: Ah. But never Got appeared in a
1: who episode never, never actually appeared in his, his brother David Trouton appeared in several Who stories both with John Pertwee and with David Tennant
0: and David Tennant
1: yes he was in Midnight ok
0: so he would have been the, uh, the elder the,
1: gentleman the, yes uh, the professor something wasn't it or I think so I've only yeah. seen
0: Midnight the once but yeah
1: yes that's uh, David Trouton
0: ok
1: but uh, Michael Trout is also an actor, but uh, never actually acted in anything Doctor Who related,
0: apart from Blake Seven.
1: Well, so it's Doctor Who relatedness apart from this feature; it's only tangential.
0: B- BBC sci-fi.
1: Yes, I suppose so. Anyway, rumours of death. We have uh, John Bryan's, who was Shrinker, was Torvin from The Creature of the Pit. And if that sounds familiar, that's because he also played Councillor Burkill for a few episodes.
0: Wait, wait. Why? Sh- why should I know Councillor Burkill?
1: Councillor Burkill and Senator Rontaine. Oh. Seek, locate, destroy. Yes. The trial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He looks very different because he's got like a beard, as Shrinker. He
0: does. Yes.
1: So we have Donald Douglas, who was Major Greenlee played Viral in the Sontaran Experiment. Uh, David Haig, who played Forrest, was Pangol in the Leisure Hive. Uh, Philip Bloomfield, who was Balon, was a foster in the Keeper of Trakan. Now, we, we have some familiar faces returning here. Uh, Mr. Stuart Fell. Oh, yes. Played a trooper. Yep. And he's done loads. Loads of stuff which we won't go over here. As has Mr. Pat Gorman. Hey! Who also played a trooper. <laughs> Our old friend, Mr. Ray Knight. Played a rebel. and you, But you might remember him as Policeman with Bike from Locopolis. <laughs> from, from of course we do. Uh, Neil McLaughlin, who was a trooper, was a citizen in full circle.
0: Not as funny.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, Gareth Mill, who, who was also a trooper, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was a double for the Doctor in Worries of the Deep. He's uh, usually a stuntman and stunt coordinator.
0: Uh, a John Pertwee stuntman.
1: The no, Worries of the Deep is a Peter Davison story. Well,
0: that's found me out.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: I'll keep drinking my beer. Go on.
1: Uh, our old friend, Mr. Peter Roy, who was a trooper. Hooray! W- was mad in Marcus in <laughs> Snake Dance. Oh, Snake Dance. We love you, Snake Dance. (laughs) Good God. Uh, Ian Sheridan, who was a trooper, played a guard in State of Decay. And it's a warm welcome to a a, a long-standing companion of the Who Count, Mr. Robert Smythe. Yes, Robert Smythe. Who played a trooper, was a ceremony observer in Snake Dance. (laughs) Uh... Uh, Ray Sumby, who was a trooper, was a citizen in Full Circle. And Reg Turner was a foul survivor in Genesis of the Daleks. Oh. And he played a trooper.
0: Oh, good for him.
1: So, yes, that brings us a who count of 14.
0: That's impressive. Isn't it, just? So, Mr. Proverts, yes. what has been going on at Geek Planet Online?
1: Well, uh, the series Chain Geek Action has been uh, carrying on apace. Uh, Danny Davies, from the disappointment, is int- interviewing uh, Mr. Wayne Talbot of the Irish Pubcast in the most recent episode. and A jolly good conversation they have too. Mm-hmm. Uh, tangential Deviation, my my other podcast project with uh, Mr. Matt Dillon, is, is now in fairly full swing. Uh, our most recent episode, we uh, chatted with Mr. Jim Moon. We go from talking about uh, the Austin Powers sequels to uh, promoting films with sandwich boards.
0: Right, I'm downloading that
1: tonight so if you you want to find out how we get from one to the other go check that out
0: I just want to hear what Jim Moon thinks about the Austin Powers sequels
1: it's worth listening to for that
0: absolutely
1: but yes there there will be more episodes of Tangential Deviation coming soon Uh, yes there's a new Carry On Scribbling up on Geek Planet by by a certain Mr. I. Wilson
0: alright is it any good
1: Oh, no, no, I don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm not bothered then. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a very good addition to to, to the... Uh, if you have any interest in the Carry On films at all, Mr Wilson's retrospective called Carry On Scribbling can be found on geekplanetonline.com.
0: Yes, and I do it on Geek Planet Online because no one gives a toss about the Carry On films on Earth either, let say. Yes. So there you go. <laughs> so screw you, my website.
1: <laughs> and I, I just thought I'd give a a quick shout out for our, um, our sort of a uh, Geek Planet's Facebook and Twitter sort of handles. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. All right. Which I I, I believe is uh, Geek Planet Online. Uh, I think you just search Geek Planet Online, it brings up the Facebook page. Got, got about 155 likes at the moment. So let's raise that number. Let's see if we, before, this time next month, we are, uh, I can say we've got 200.
0: I, I, cause, you know. I'm, I'm not sure I was aware that you had a Facebook thing, so I will go to at, and, uh, perhaps there'll be 156.
1: Hooray. Right. But yeah, we, uh, whenever new articles go up, we sort of like, uh, post links to them on the Facebook group. And, uh, we also have a Twitter feed, which is, uh, at GPO Tweets. Yes which again the follow that for uh, latest article posts and such like if you are at all interested thank you very much for your time <laughs> mr wilson what what was going on at earth 2? uh earth2.net
0: um yes. i suppose um the the big thing at the moment is the fact that we've started one of our big earth2.net review series um, because obviously we're we're famous for our Batman reviews and our Saw reviews, but now um, Mike, our uh, webmaster, has teamed up with the guy he normally goes to for science fiction of people his own age, which is Mister Dan Toland, the the oldest man in the world,
1: um, <laughs> who um, to, together he's going to reach to in the internet. I'm... Punch your young head well, off.
0: He's he's so far away, he can't reach me. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't know how to operate the internet anyway.
1: The, the, the hand of Toland extends far. There, well, there
0: we go. But um, <laughs> uh, they have started a uh, look back on the Star Wars films, and they had a good go. I believe it was Episode Five Hundred and Twenty-One.
1: It was, I, I, I downloaded it and listened to it myself where, And very good it was too it, Very much It was it.
0: very good They not only went through all of um, they, they had a, a walkthrough Of uh, Star Wars A New Hope uh, best known as just Star Wars um, But they also included A uh, Comic convention reading Where they got very famous Cartoon voice actors uh, To go over the script of Star Wars A New Hope uh, with the voice actors, uh, taking on those roles with, uh, their famous comic creations. Um, so it was narrated by Kevin Conroy, um, as Batman. And then you had lots of great voice actors. You had Rob Paulson, uh, Maurice LaMarche, uh, uh, t- uh Billy West. Billy West, West they, uh, Tara Strong. John DiMaggio. Exactly, John DiMaggio. Um, um. A load of great people And it was Hilarious to listen to So uh, if you Only listen to one Podcast Earth2.net Puts out this month Make it shake and blake But if you only listen to <laughs> two podcasts <laughs> Include Austin Powers The Spy That Shagged Me uh, Or <laughs> Earth2.net Episode 4 uh, five
1: hundred and twenty-one. Yes, no, I, I echo that. Having listened to the episode myself, it's it, it's a good one.
0: Absolutely. Most of them are, but that one's special. Yes. <laughs> Apart from five hundred and twenty, they they've got some jumps up film reviewer to to talk about the Avengers. And Ghost Rider 2 It's it's not very good. No, I
1: wouldn't bother about that. Then. No.
3: <laughs> well, some days are better than others sir they say that where i come from sir loudly i imagine on the day you left my mother cried when i left thought she'd never see me again cries easily your mother does she no not really sir but i owed her money you see it's true may i never leave this spot that can be arranged section Meter.
0: So, thank you very much for indulging myself and Mr Proberts in another month's broadcasting. Join us next month, that being July 2012, when we'll have two more episodes for you, that being Sarcophagus and Ultra. Excuse me? Nothing. Right. Uh, Sarcophagus.
1: Sarcophagus.
0: Right. You're kind of prejudicing me already.
1: Yeah, sorry, no. Stop doing that. Okay. I'll I'll try not to. Right.
0: That being Sarcophagus Uh, Stop it! (laughs) And Ultra World. Oh! (laughs) I have no idea what any of those noises mean. All I know (laughs) is that next
1: month... If you want to find out what those noises (laughs) mean, join us next month! (laughs)
0: You'll find out soon enough, uh, come July. Until then, uh, it's good night for myself, Ian Wilson.
1: And for me, Dave Probert.
0: Cheerio, and thank you for listening to Shake and Blake.